0: Welcome to Aiming for Tens podcast, the premier place to talk small bore, precision rifle, air gun, and all things competition, from training and mindset to current standing scores and collegiate interviews. Now, here's a father-daughter team who not only experienced shooting from 4-H juniors all the way to college scholarships, but have both coached, mentored, and encouraged all ages of shooters along the way. Please welcome your host, Brian Gardner and Harley Gardner. Good
1: evening. Good evening, everyone. Tonight I am joined with the coaches of the University of Kentucky rifle team, Rena and Harry. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing well. How are you?
2: I'm fine. Thank you.
1: Good. So we are just going to get started right away. Um, first, I just want an introduction. Rena, you can go first. Give us an introduction of yourself, how you got started in rifle, a little bit about your college career and how you ended up at the University of Kentucky.
3: Yeah, sure. So I started competing in high school. I think I got introduced to the sport in my freshman year. Um, I played a lot of other sports um, before getting into rifle. So ice hockey, field hockey, lacrosse, gymnastics, and then we joined a local club. Um, my dad always liked to shoot and my brother and I both joined the junior program. Actually he joined before me and then it was something I just really enjoyed and kind of started doing it shot in the Friday night league. Then started competing. Um, then from there, you know, you go to the bigger matches, you start to hear about college programs. I ended up going to the University of Mississippi. Um, so, Ole Miss. I started school there in 2010 and graduated in 2014. So, I shot four years there. And then in the summer of, let's see, yeah, 2014, um, Harry was looking for an assistant. And that kind of all happened to work out, so I ended up moving to Kentucky right after um, working CMP camps for those that work those camps as well. Um, to Kentucky, completed one year there, um, just coaching, getting the hang of everything, and then from then kind of continued to coach, and then also went back to school. So I have a master, my undergrads in exercise science from Ole Miss. I have a master's in sports psychology, a master's in counseling psychology, and I'll be finishing my PhD soon in counseling psychology. And this is my eighth year coaching. So it's been a fun ride.
1: Wow. I didn't know that you were getting your PhD. That's awesome.
3: Yes. I'm the forever student.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So actually those that are listening will hear me talk about Ole Miss every single week. Um, And this is not why I wanted to have Kentucky on, but having Rena as a fellow Ole Miss grad and fellow exercise science grad. Mm-hmm. That definitely helps out a little bit. Um, Harry, tell us a little bit about your journey and how long you've been in Kentucky.
2: Oh, Harley, I don't think you have enough time as far as as I am, uh, but I started in, in rifle, probably middle school time, beginning of high school, down at Fort Benning, Fort Benning Juniors, and really got to liking it, started competing. Uh, we actually started out with the hunter safety program and went from there. Uh, looking into college, I got to the University of Kentucky, really by way of Eastern Kentucky University. A lot of my teammates in high school went to EKU at the time, which is just right down the road in Richmond. And as it was closer to the time for me to go to college, um, I ended up looking there and the coach was getting ready to leave. And so my dad, being a Kentucky State resident, said, well, why don't you look at UK, too? And we went from there and never looked back since. I started at UK in 1982 and was on the team for five years. And as I said, five years, it took me a little extra time to get through college, switching from engineering to business administration. But the fortunate part is soon after that, the coaching job came open. Uh, I was the first civilian, so to speak. There was always an ROTC coach leading up to that. So I'm the first outside of ROTC coach that the University of Kentucky had and was hired in the fall of 1987. And kind of was very fortunate to work for some great athletic directors uh, from Cliff Hagen, to CM Newton, Larry Ivey, and now Mitch Barnhart, to where they've been very supportive of our program and really embrace the spirit of rifle. And again, loved every minute of it and hope to be able to do it for another 15 to 20 years.
1: That is awesome. Great story. Um, Did you have any teammates at Eastern Kentucky that I might know?
2: No, I would say uh, that was so long ago. Actually the, the head coach at now NC state, Kelly Carter was at UK And then she transferred over to Eastern Kentucky, I want to say, 1983 or 1984. But uh, some of my teammates in high school that were there, well, you may know Danny Wigger, uh, Ronnie Wigger uh, were two of them uh, that I shot with in high school uh, on the high school team that that went to EKU. And then Dina Wigger actually went to Murray State. So our junior club was very Kentucky-driven. Uh, either Murray or, or EKU, because those are the two schools out of probably maybe eight or 10 at that time that even offered athletic aid. During that time frame, they're considered more non scholarship even though we had a more team.
1: I gotcha, I recognize a few of those names. Um, I thought there was somebody else that I might know. Um, okay, so thank you guys for the introduction. Tell us a little bit about the year 2018, or I guess the spring of 2018, fall of 2017 at Kentucky. How special was that year? How special was winning NCAAs that year? Um, Can you guys kind of, since y'all were both there and are still there, kind of talk a little bit about that year? Uh,
2: Well, I can start off first, and then Rena can uh, fill in the gaps a little bit. (laughs) She's a more detailed-oriented person. You know, we were really looking for a culture change going from 2016, 2017, getting into 2018. And uh, we were very fortunate that we had a great recruiting class that came in uh, with Henrik Larson, Haley Sigmund, you know, being two of the, of, of the bigger name people that came into that year. But it was just really unique with the way the team gelled and accepted a lot of changes and really pushed themselves going into the entire season. I mean, Henrik came in and he was a very driven individual. And I think that kind of illuminated to a lot of our, our current, or our athletes' eyes rather, that, you know, in order to get to where you want to be, sometimes you're going to have to go a little bit past where you think you need to go. And he really taught the team that or helped teach the team that, uh, along with some changes, that It was really neat with the way the scores were starting to come together towards the end of the year, from the beginning of the year, like Haley uh, got our most improved shooter award, where I think her first match, she shot maybe 550, 560 in small board, you know, and then at nc 2 A's, you know, she puts up a mid 580 in small board. So it was, it was a real special moment, for sure. I don't know if you want to elaborate on that, Rena.
3: Yeah, sure. No, I I agree with Harry. Um, Ringing in Henrik Larson was a big move in shifting kind of the culture of our program. Um, But also we made a lot of changes as far as how we were running things day to day. Um, So we really restructured our training, which I'm sure we'll get into in a bit of kind of when we talk about what a day in a life looks like at Kentucky. But we really restructured our training. We restructured how we did things. Um, We really restructured our communication, our lines of communication. Um, and really kind of sat down and established a kind of philosophy of what we wanted our program to look like, what we wanted to be known for, what were our pillars of success, um, and really kind of stuck to that. And were able to get some success quickly, which was really helpful in kind of getting a lot of buy-in with the team and helping bring in um, stronger recruits and also people that had a lot of um, potential who, you know, no one was really recruiting or looking at. And then if you were a hard worker and you wanted to get better and you wanted to compete, you could come to our system and our system would get you good. It would help you get good if you could come in with the basic skills and the work ethic. So I think we really developed a system that could challenge more advanced and elite athletes that would come in already at a national or international level. And then it was really able to develop kids who had really great fundamentals, but then maybe didn't have the opportunity to get to that level before entering college. So I think the combination of that really helped us create a program where we could pull a lot of different talent and pull a lot of different things out of different people on the team to succeed.
1: That is a really awesome explanation. Um, I remember being at NCAA that year and watching Allywise And it's always special when you get to watch people that you know, like winning NCAA. Like, of course the rifle community is so small. You're gonna know who wins and you're gonna know some of the athletes. And it was just, and from what I could see, like was just such a special moment. I think if, if I'm wrong, please correct me. I think I remember Harry laying on the ground and doing a snow angel yeah. in the confetti. Um, <laughs> I think that is, that is one big memory I have of that weekend of, at NCAA, so thank you guys for kind of walking us through that. Um, so moving into some school-specific questions, the first one that we always like to ask, because this is a big question I think I even had as a recruit, is y'all's campus, or is y'all's range, excuse me, is y'all's range on campus or off campus?
2: It's, it's on campus. Uh, it's located more towards the middle part of campus.
1: So how about how far of a walk is it for the student athletes from their dorms or from their classrooms to the yeah. range? Yeah, typically pending
2: a lot of it, you know, it depends upon what you major in it. but the majority of the time, it may be a few hundred yards from most of the classrooms. Uh, and then probably the opposite direction, maybe five, 600 yards, uh, maybe a quarter of a mile, a little bit more than that of, uh, uh, from their dorm. I mean, they, the dorm is very close on the other side of the student center and then you have the range and then it. So it's pretty much a dorm student center range classroom. So it's one path to get to where you want to go and start the day that way.
1: Nice. Rena, can you talk a little bit about which NCAA division Kentucky is in? And in your opinion, does it, does division one or division two or even division three impact recruits decisions on where they go?
3: Yeah, for sure. Um, so the University of Kentucky is a division one program. So we're in the power five conference. And then specifically, we're part of the SEC um, for rifle. We're part of the GARC conference, but we also have to follow um, SEC rules um, along with Ole Miss for the solo two SEC schools. Um, so as far as division level goes, I think what people really need to understand about it is it really determines the size of the school, right? So then typically the size of the school is going to correlate to the amount of money and resources. I am not super familiar with division three and division two programs in rifle um, because most of them are division one. But I would say that pretty much when you're looking at that decision, it's what you're looking for, right? Um, If you look at any Power Five school that has rifle, so when I say that, Ole Miss, Kentucky, Ohio State, Nebraska, we're all basically gonna have the basic kind of standard package. And what I say by that is, You're going to have access to a weight room. You're likely going to have a strength coach assigned to you. You're going to have access to athletic trainers, tutoring, academic support, and some of the stuff we may get into a little bit more, but we're all kind of that standard package. And now when you start to kind of go to division two and division three, I'm not sure as much as how, what that packaging looks like. Um, So I would say that's kind of the big piece. If you are looking across divisions, the size of school, size of athletic department, and then obviously the level of resources that come with it. So I'm not sure if I even answered your question.
1: <laughs> you did. You did. So the only reason I asked that question is because mm-hmm. I spend a lot of time with high, with high school athletes mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they are so focused on, I want to go to division one. I, I want to go to mm-hmm. division one. And so in rifle, it's a little bit different where division one and division two, they don't really differ too much besides mm-hmm. a few recruiting here and there. So I just want to ask because I think some parents even get caught up in, oh, if they have a sibling who's trying to play football in college, it's way different than rightful, you know? So I just just like to ask and get a coach's perspective on that.
3: Yeah, I know for sure. And I think that's really important. I think we can get hung up on the vision level a lot because it's kind of like, oh, I want to go play D1. Like that's really important to some people. Like let's go be D1 and do the D1 thing. And then, you know, Let's just shout out Alaska right now. I mean, they're a D2 school and they're kicking butt this year and putting up huge numbers and NCAA records. So I think, yes, division's important, but the biggest piece is fit. And I think people can fit in many different places. So I caution people when talking about the division piece, really you should be looking at fit and what's going to be a good home for you to make you better as an athlete and a person.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. You know, and I think also when you, when you look at the division part, is in the in the big sports like football, basketball, you know, there's the obvious TV part where, you know, just to throw in there for our national championships, we're across the board divisions. So everybody, D2, D three, D1, all compete for the same championship. Where, you know, in the other sports, there's a different type of format versus you know football having the playoff system at D one. And then when you get down to D two and D three, you know, there's also a playoff system, but a whole lot more people in it. So they compete for separate championships as well.
3: That's a really good point. I forgot about that.
1: Yeah, that does. That makes a lot of sense. And I don't think anyone really has given that answer. So that's, that's good. It's a good piece of advice. So Rena mentioned Kentucky is in Gark Great American Rifle Conference. Do you guys compete against other schools outside of your conference, you know, preseason, midseason, anything like that?
2: Uh, we do, uh, you know, a large part of it depends upon um, availability as far as the other schools, whether it's at their location or our location, uh, team size, uh, the budget in, in relationship to where we have to travel. You know, the conference is pretty big to where you have, you know, you pretty much go from Mississippi to New York and you know then down to North Carolina, so that's a pretty big triangle. Uh, so I think a large part of it varies just on our travel availability. We do compete outside the conference as well. Uh, we've gone to or up to Air Force, uh, we've gone up to Alaska, you go know, to compete against them. And so, you know, whether it's preseason or even during the season, it's trying to put a very competitive schedule together to get our team ready for the ultimate, which is the conference championship and NC2A championships.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think, and again, this is just going back to other sports and and how they compete, you know, preseason they compete every every against a lot of people out of conference. And then once they get to their conference or their district or whatever, you know, it's only the people in that district or conference. So I just like to ask that because, you know, some people, like I said, they don't know rifle as well as others and and they're gonna be unaware of that. So okay, switching gears a little bit. Whenever freshmen get to the University of Kentucky, um, do they, are they provided with a suit? Is that something that you guys try to provide every single freshman or every single athlete that you guys get with? And then is there any other gear that you guys provide to them if they don't have it?
2: Uh, we typically try to help them out as much as we can early on. I mean, you have gone through the process of the suit itself and sometimes depending on when we know the athlete You know, the size of the athlete and the availability of the suit uh, from the time that you take the measurements until the time you get it, unfortunately, sometimes can be a very long time. And so we do try to do that, you know, depending on budget constraints uh, and also help them out with other equipment, you know, that they can use that's in the team inventory, whether it's extra butt hooks, visor blocks, sights, you know, things like that. We also have an inventory sometimes of, you know, different guns if they're looking at switching a gun or something else is broken and they need a loaner per se for a period of time, or we feel that, you know, they would perform better with a gun stock that is a little bit more suited to them in comparison to what they have. So we try to get them into the best equipment possible for them to be as successful as they can.
1: Um, Rena, can you, since Harry claims that you're more detailed oriented, can you walk us through a day in the life of a student athlete at Kentucky?
3: or a rifle shooting, sure. athlete. Yeah for sure. Um, so I'll give you kind of our Monday Wednesday what that schedule typically looks like and then I'm gonna do Tuesday Thursday together. Um, so as far as Monday, Wednesday Friday, we typically have the range open with coaches on the range from 730 to about two. So on Monday, Wednesday Friday you get to pick your training block about two and a half hours. Um, our crew tends to like to train in the morning. We seem to really like that 8 to 10 30 window. Um, but you get to pick that way you get more flexibility on those days to schedule your classes. Then as a group, we work out together from three 30 to four 30 on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, so that includes anything from lifting to different, you know, um, kind of prehab rehab exercises, um, cardio, sometimes we're pushing sleds, sometimes we're riding bikes. So all sorts of fun stuff. So it's really important that we do that as a team. Um, Cause those are three hours a week that we're guaranteed to all be together. And then on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we typically train in the morning together for about two and a half, sometimes three hours. Um, We always like to say, at least when we get going into season, that we kind of compete on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So that's a time for us to all be together on the range again. But it's also a time for us to be able to do things like finals or certain drills that require just more than one person. Um, So we try to strike that balance between giving athletes their individual training time to either work on things they want to work on or work directly with the coaches. And then also having time where we compete and do things as a group. Um, Some of our athletes work off of training cards. Some of them don't. Um, So what I mean by a training card is sometimes people will say, Hey, I want to sit down. I want to map out what we're going to do Monday, Wednesday, Friday. You know, I want you to help me. I want you to come up with different things. These are my goals. And we'll sit down and create that structure for them. Others like to do that on their own, um, or they, you know, go day by day. So we try to really get at everyone's style of training, um, but also keeping some structure and keeping everyone moving towards their goals. Um, so, so far that's worked pretty well for us. It seems to be a good balance. And then of course, on, you know, weekends we travel and whatnot, typically Friday practice will be very light or it will drop off if we need to fly or bus somewhere.
1: Nice. Very, very detail oriented. I can see. Thank you for that. Um, Do you all have any requirements for student athletes as far as tutoring or tutoring hours, study hours,
3: things like that? Yes. So um, we typically, as a freshman at the University of Kentucky, re- we require eight study hall hours. Um, so we want you in CAPS as our academic support center. We want you in there studying. Um, tutors can count for those hours. So typically when you come in as a freshman, you're going to have a tutor for every class you're in. And then depending on how you, you're doing in that class at about midterms, we can discuss either dropping that tutor or if we need to pick up additional tutors um, for a specific class. So typically our athletes, you know, they're Freshman are probably spending spending between eight and 12 hours in cats a week. Um, and then as you kind of get the hang of school and you have a certain GPA, um, you'll get dropped off of your study hall hours and you have more freedom to come and go as you want. Um, we're also assigned a mentor to you your freshman year. We've actually had a lot of athletes keep their mentors. Um, So, their mentors are housed in cats, and they're pretty much to just help them make sure they have their schedule panned out, make sure they're doing well, make sure they're not getting behind on things, also providing some support. Um, so I think that's really helpful. And, um, you know, I guess one positive thing that has come out of COVID is that we've also been able to move a lot to online tutoring. So, which is great. So when we travel sometimes, if you have a tutor, you don't always have to miss it. It may not always be the most fun thing doing your tutor in the Atlanta airport, but you don't miss it and you get your schoolwork done. So as far as cats, we're pretty strict with that. If you drop below a certain GPA, we're going to put you back in to cats hours, regardless of your sophomore, junior, senior. So, you know, academics needs to be your number one priority. You know, we have a saying shooting doesn't come second, but academics comes first. So it's on you to find that balance. Um, so between classes and cats on top of training, you're pretty busy every week. It's definitely a full week.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I will say, and it was, it was probably the same when you were at Ole Miss, like with the mentors and the tutors. And I actually asked to keep my mentor the second semester of my freshman year. Cause I was like, She was so helpful in just keeping me in line, like making sure I was getting all my stuff done. And even the tutors, I don't think there was ever a semester that I didn't have at least one tutor for my classes, because why not? Like you're a student athlete, you have all of these resources. Why don't you use them? And and so for anyone listening, please, if you go to college and are on a rifle team and you have the opportunity to have a tutor, take advantage of it, because I
3: don't think I would have gotten through some of my classes without it. Exactly. And sometimes, especially if you want to go to grad school or pursue different things that require extensive education, you know, if you can get an A instead of a B, that's a big, that's a big thing. All those small little steps you can take to being close to perfect when you come out can really help you either get into grad school or dental school or med school or wherever your aspirations take you professionally.
1: Absolutely. Harry, can you kind of talk about when y'all's team practices begin uh, in the fall and then when your last match of the fall is, and then your first match of the spring leading up to NCAAs?
2: Sure. Uh, the NC2A lets us split our season up to where we have really two blocks, fall and spring, like we just mentioned. And for days. So a lot of times what we would do is count back from the NC2A championships and the conference championships, you know, and look at see where the breaks are in relationship to the holidays but typically in the fall it starts right around labor day Uh, that way it gives the athletes a little bit of opportunity to come in get the cobwebs off things kind of especially for the freshmen and even the sophomores sometimes to get acquainted with campus because typically they roll into campus towards the end of august and so it gives them about a week and a half two weeks to do that and so we start the 20-hour week training block typically around Again, Labor Day, uh, we like to start competing somewhere around the first part of October, maybe the second weekend, and then we will go until probably the weekend before Thanksgiving, which you have been there many times. After that is Winter Air Rifle, which is the Air Rifle National Championships, uh, which used to be held in Colorado and now is in Ohio and Alabama. And then that kind of concludes the fall season. And then starting up in the springtime, we typically come back, Few days after New year's have a training camp to where we can focus just on shooting because classes haven't started yet uh, and kind of get reacquainted with what we were doing in the fall and correct some things that need to be corrected and then we go right into competition from that point so literally after training camp within a week or so you know we start competing pretty heavy because then we're on very limited weekends leading up to the NC2A's and the NC2A qualifiers along with the conference championships after NC2As, we kind of wind it down a little bit for the older ones. And when I say wind it down, of going out of the 20-hour-a-week uh, training session, and a lot of it becomes more voluntary if we go going the eight-hour-a-week period. But, you know, on the flip side, the younger athletes, you know, have aspirations of going to Junior Olympics and seeing success there. And then the older athletes that are on national teams will also come in and train a lot uh, you know, even though it's in the eight hour block because they're trying to make national teams and go into world cups. So it's hard to say that there's a a real downtime in terms of the training part. It's probably more just a level of intensity from one part of the year to the next.
1: Right. So since you just mentioned, um, world cups and all of that stuff, I'm going to back up a little bit. So we, you guys have Will and Mary Tucker, um, kind of competing here and there internationally this, this fall from what I've seen. Do you think that that has really impacted the team's dynamic with them being gone so much? I mean, I'm sure the university and their teammates give them so much support for being gone. How do you guys think that impacts the team dynamic and or does it impact the team dynamic? I think it,
2: you know, and Rena, you know, kind of chime in there when I'm, I'm getting a little bit long-winded. But, you know, the team really focuses on the team. And so when there's, you know, certain elements that are gone, there's definitely that void. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but yet, you know, the pride factor of the team from just their success and the things that they have done, you know, also puts the team in a situation where they're really working hard and pushing hard to carry on, you know, because, You know, whether Will and Mary are all shooting the World Cup or if they slip and fall on the ice, you know, unfortunately they're not there. So, you know, it gives somebody else the opportunity to step in and perform or work towards performing at that high level from a just interaction standpoint. You know, Will and Mary definitely bring a comfort zone because they are such strong athletes that lets, you know, the rest of the team kind of do what they feel comfortable in doing when they're there competing. But I've been real proud of how they responded this year with Will and Mary being gone. Sometimes, you know, the old mess match being one, you know, both you guys being old Miss alumni. Uh, you know, but on the flip side, you know, we're a Kentucky rifle. And so we have to move forward regardless of, you know, who's there and who's not because we welcome the opportunity for the athletes to go and compete at the highest level. And, unfortunately, sometimes scheduling conflicts, you know, there's no way around that. So. I don't know, Rina, if you want to elaborate
3: a little bit on that. Yeah, I think that's a really good question. And... I would say it definitely affects things, right? Like we're not going to sit here and go, Oh no, it's peaches and cream when we have people all over the place. And I think not only like international travel has been a challenge this year, but also COVID, right? Because as soon as you like get a sniffle, you need to go to the trainer and then you have to get COVID tested and you're out for two days while your COVID test comes in. Right. And so there's been a lot of like dynamics for us this year and even just emerging out of COVID and kind of that two year run we made at you know, winning a championship in 2021, and then, you know, Will and Mary making the Olympic team. So I think it's definitely been a challenge this year. And I think there's definitely been moments where it's been tough. Like we've definitely shot some numbers this year that are not like us. um, But it's also made us a lot stronger as a program, because after two years of everything really going how we wanted, um, we were faced with some adversity. And so it was good for us to have those experiences and i think we've learned a lot from them and if anything they've brought us closer to our values as a program and what we want to do and you know how we work as a team even if we all can't be there or how do you manage expectations that not only you're putting on yourself but the country's putting on you and you know what you have one bad day or someone doesn't shoot their number or someone's not there and you know the chitter chatter starts around the country So really learning how to manage those things and deal with them and really having to rely on our confidence and know that we, we got this right. Like if we can do us and do Kentucky rifle, we're good. And so it's been a big learning lesson for a lot of the athletes Um, and having Mary and will are. It's been incredible to watch their journeys and, you know, to see them medal in the Olympics. And they're a huge part of our program. And also we have a lot of other great athletes that are a part of our program that sometimes don't get the spotlight or as much attention, right? So you're also balancing that dynamic where you have people that come in that are doing great work, um, but maybe always come up as number two or number three, or maybe you're not the ones getting talked about around the chitter chatter. Um, So I think we have a lot of depth in our program. And I think this year the challenges we have encountered are going to make us a lot stronger as we head into spring. So I'm very excited. It's definitely been a rocky ride this fall, but I think it's going to be a pretty cool, pretty cool year, especially as we head into spring.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you guys both said that so well. Um, so thank you for answering that. I know I kind of threw that on you guys. It wasn't part of the part of the plan, but um, I appreciate that. So talking about all of your, your amazing athletes, um, you guys have 11 right now. If I remember correctly, um, is that kind of a typical number for you guys? Would you like to have less? Would you like to have more?
2: Go ahead and answer that.
3: Yeah. I was going to say, Harry's going to throw this one at me because we slightly differ, um, so, we have 13 points. So, obviously, for me, the sweet spot is 11 to 13 because, you know, as Harry says, I'm very detail oriented and like to make sure everything's scheduled out just perfect and everything works great. So, for me, I personally like that 11 to 13. On the other hand, Harry likes bigger families. So, if we had more points, we would definitely have a bigger roster. I can tell you that um It also depends on your recruiting cycles. So, while that sweet spot for us is the 11 to 13, with us being, being able to fit everyone on the range for Tuesday, Thursday practices, um, depending on recruiting cycles and years, especially with now all these COVID years happening and people coming back, it's very likely we'll have a bigger squad in the next few years. So, it really just depends on who cycles out um, and who we, you know, who comes into the program. But typically, the sweet spot for Kentucky is 11 to 13. I answer that well, Harry.
2: Perfect. There we
3: go. (laughs) Very
2: well done.
1: Very well done. It's always nice when the coaches can agree on one answer, I guess. (laughs) So, Rena, since you brought up COVID year, Mm -hmm. did any of your athletes take advantage of that this past year, and are they getting an opportunity this next year to kind of get another COVID year? And are some of your athletes going to take advantage?
3: Yeah. So last year we only had Haley Sigmund and Mason Joachim graduating. Um, and both of them opted out of a COVID year. They had plans and they're off doing great, awesome things. Um, we do have athletes on the team right now that are eligible for a COVID year. Um, however, I will not share who will, or who will not be staying at this time.
1: That is. Okay. So do you guys, and this is completely switching gears again. Does y'all's school or does Kentucky rifle have a sports psychologist that is provided for your athletes? Do you work with anyone outside of Kentucky? Can y'all talk about that a little bit? You want me to grab this one,
3: Harry? I'd say,
2: yeah, I'm going to throw that one right. Here.
3: <laughs> yeah. So this is, this is one of my areas of interest. Um, so the university of Kentucky, we have a We do not have a licensed sport psychologist on our staff. So what that means is we do not have someone who is a licensed psychologist and does sport performance work. Um, However, we do have Dr. Cormier, who is amazing. And he went to the um, West Virginia University and has his PhD in sport performance and is a licensed counselor. And he spends 50% of his time in athletics. And he is also the director of our uh, master's in sports psychology program. So he is incredible. And he works with our team. Um, We do some team stuff with him on and off. And then the athletes have access to him to schedule kind of individual performance related concerns he can also do a little bit of that kind of more mental health overall well-being um so he can tackle a little bit into that but if we have athletes that kind of need more support as far as like mental health or like kind of keeping maintenance when some other stuff they have going on then we typically um outsource to our our uh, university counseling center where we set up kind of alternative. Um, arrangements for that. And then we have a psychiatrist who works in athletics, um, part-time to help kind of manage medication if that's needed. So we have, I don't want to say it's a wonky system because it's not a, it's not wonky, but it's not the typical system you will see at some other schools. Um, it works well for us so far. We've had good success um, with me. I came from Ole Miss. So I had the amazing Josie, you know, Dr. Nicholson. Um, so that was kind of the model I came from. So it took a little bit of adjusting when I got here as a coach. Like, what do you mean we don't have a Josie, right? Like everyone needs a Josie in their life. But then um, I actually got to know Dr. Cormier before he was in athletics because I approached him and was like, "Hey, you want to mentor me as a master student and teach me how to do the sports like thing?" And then from there, as he got established in the at the university in our kinesiology department, he ended up kind of coming in and working with athletics and had a contract with them. So we are beyond thrilled to always have Dr. Cormier. He's done great work for us, um, works closely with our team. He's been a huge impact. So as far as sports psychology resources, we definitely have them. We use them a lot. Um, As far as other resources of just like maintaining stress and learning how to decompress. And, you know, we all come into college with different things. We have resources for that as well.
1: Nice. I guess I didn't really, we asked that question a lot in all of these interviews. And as you said, like we have Josie or I, we had (laughs) Josie whenever we were at Ole Miss. And, and so you don't really, I guess I forget that other schools and especially because in my opinion, like Kentucky and Ole Miss are so similar because they're in park and they're SEC schools. And, and so they're so similar, but also so different in that aspect at least. So that's awesome to know.
3: Yeah, it is. it's so interesting. Cause like, at least far as like my knowledge, like Ole Miss and Auburn, and I think like LSU kind of have a similar model and then like us and Tennessee have a similar model. So there's like no standard model when it comes to it. So yeah, that is one thing that I would say Ole Miss and Kentucky different a little bit is their kind of approach to that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Harry, can you, we're going to talk about recruiting a little bit. Can you kind of tell us when you think in your opinion junior athletes like high school athletes should start reaching out to coaches like when you want to see their resumes how early you want to see them
2: you know it's always you know the rules kind of prohibit communication between you know the the juniors and the college coaches and so a lot of times you know I'll receive emails from freshmen or sophomores and then two or three years later like man you You've never responded or you never did this Where you know, some things have lightened up a little bit to where now we can, you know, communicate starting your junior year in high school. You know, somewhere between your junior or sophomore and junior year, rather, you know, starting the junior year. And so typically that is about the time, you know, to start reaching out to the coaches and build that communication. But it doesn't hurt you to do your homework leading up to that. Uh, it's okay to send the coaches, you know, uh, email saying, "Hey, you know, I did this or I did that" to get on their radar. You know, knowing that, you know, you're probably not going to get a response back because of the rules. You know, but you know, kind of continually so that, you know, your name kind of pops out there when you do finally get a chance to communicate junior year, or you know, you're on the radar screen when you're shooting big numbers in tournaments, and the coaches call you because a lot of times the juniors, because they do watch a lot of movies and you see, the, you know, in the movies, you know, the Johnny B goods and you know, football coaches That first day, you know, they're like racehorses waiting in the gate to get out there was was a little bit like that, but also because it's such a national sport per se of trying to find the right people for the right fit that people get looked over just because they didn't take that initiative to reach out to the coaches or, you know, it was the wrong time uh, based on their high school age bracket and didn't get a response and then they kind of lose disinterest in the different programs. So I would continue to reach out, you know, as you start to progress and do things and feel that that warrants the attention of the programs and again, doing your homework of where you would fit in from one program to the next, uh, whether it's score level, culture level, you know, that type of thing. And You know, create that opportunity so that the coaches do have the contact information, whether it's email or phone numbers. So when that opportunity does come and the coaches can talk to you, uh, you know, to, you know, they have the information. And the biggest one is when you email the coaches, let them know what year of school you are. You know, I get so many emails that say, hey, you know, I'm Harry Mullins and I shoot for so-and-so and I do this and I do that. But if we don't know what year of school they are 100 percent, then you're probably not going to get a response unless we you know, know through other means that there are. Because there's no national database, per se, that's going to I can pull up Rena Goodwin and know exactly her phone number, address, email and year of school. So giving the coaches the information early on definitely helps above and beyond not just your scores, but also the year of school. You know, what, your, what your interests are in majoring and kind of your progression leading up to that junior year if you're going to contact the coaches.
1: Yeah I like that you said if they don't put the year of school that they're graduating or at least how old they are then they might not get a response And and you can correct me if I'm wrong that's not because you want to be mean to them it's because you don't want to break rules right like you
2: can't Oh, perfect. I mean, you know, I I get phone calls sometimes, you know, and, you know, if you call me, your phone number's in my, you know, Rolodex, so it pops up hardly, you know, but if a new number pops up, you know, a lot of times we won't even answer it because sometimes a freshman will get, you know, our phone number and the next thing you know, you know, we're in violation and then, you know, it creates a little bit of a headache for a while uh, in doing things. So giving the coaches, if nothing else, you know, information so that they can put you in a system, whether it's a tracking system, so that they know, hey, four years from now, I need to look out for this person, or two years from now, you know, she's in the class of 2022 or 2024, you know, and and, yeah, we do find out about some kids, but getting the information sometimes is very tough just for match results.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that. Um, Okay, so to kind of close it out, um, do you guys have anything else that I ask that you want to flaunt about the University of Kentucky or that you guys just want to add in?
2: You know, I'll let you go first.
3: You're gonna put me on the spot. Okay, I see how it is. Um, uh, yeah. So I guess I'll take a moment to just brag about my kids if that's fine. So I feel like a parent because I feel like every time you talk to a parent, they're like, my kid's the best, like my kid's great. And that is how I feel about the kids on my team, like love them like my own. They joke because I'm married, but I don't have kids of my own yet. And they're like, you don't need kids. You have us. You have all 11. Um, and that is really how I view them. Like, don't get me wrong. There's definitely that coach role. And, you know, we have very clear barriers, but. I love the athletes on our team. And when we recruit and we're looking to get new family members, because we really do consider ourselves a family, it's not just what numbers you're putting out, but it's also, can you mesh in with our system? And can you mesh in with the group of people we have? Because it is very hard to rebuild culture. Right. And so for us, culture is a very big piece. It's very important to us. So we're always looking for people that can come in and step into the Kentucky way and be a part of our program and learn our system. And that's what I think a big piece of our success is, is our culture, the standards we have, the accountability we hold each other to. And I just I love that's my favorite part of my job. Like winning championships is cool. Don't get me wrong. Like having rings is awesome. Like those are huge memories and milestones to never forget. But the pieces I love the most is like our day to day practice, like someone tells you a funny story, someone rats someone else out and tells them what they did. And they're like, coach, you won't believe what so and so did the other day. Um, You know, watching people shoot PRs and training, watching people figure things out, watching things click, watching teammates support each other. So having that environment of always pushing each other forward is really what i love about our program and i just love the people in it i love who i work for you know working for harry's awesome it's always an adventure it's always a good time there's always laughs involved and there's also a lot of learning um So I'm even as a coach, I've kind of come up through the Kentucky system with being here eight years. And I love being able to teach the Kentucky system to kids and not only watching them see success as athletes, but watching them leave our program and do amazing things, become doctors, become Navy SEALs, become all sorts of things, intelligent officers, start businesses, engineers, engineers. to live out their dreams outside of athletics. Um, so for me, that's what I love. I love our kids, I love our system and it's always a good time at Kentucky. We work really hard, but we have a lot of fun too. So I don't know, Harry, can you top that?
2: You know, you left, nothing. <laughs> you left absolutely nothing. I mean, you're killing me, Small. <laughs> you're killing me. Now I would echo what Rena says. Yeah, you know, That's the greatest part about it is you know, give you an example. This past weekend, one of our former shooters, Tom Sinch, came by and almost brought tears to my eyes seeing him and his family. You know, they're knowing to see what he got to do with his life once he left here, the things that he learned, not just from the shooting standpoint wise, but, you know, being part of that journey, I think, is very unique. It's like Rena said, you know, I, I have a huge family. I mean, I only have a wife and two kids at home but a huge family with all the people that I've been blessed to be part of for four, sometimes five years um, here at the University of Kentucky. And to see them succeed and to do things is really, really special. I mean, yes, the championships, those are nice, but it's that success, you know, being part of life. You know, and I tell people is you're going to be different from the time you get here until the time you leave. You know, otherwise we probably didn't do our job that well. But it's really neat to see that growth, both as a person, as an athlete, as a student, you know, and seeing them go through the ups and downs of that. So that's a special part of being at Kentucky, doing it the Kentucky way, you know, and everybody has their way, but we feel that it's it's a very unique thing and very special for sure.
1: Well, I think once people listen to this episode, they're definitely going to be emailing and And if they have their, you number, they'll be calling you guys. (laughs) Thank you for that. Um, My last question, and Harry, I'm going to put you on the spot first. um, Sure. Put Rena on the spot. If you were to give one piece of advice to high school rifle athletes, um,
3: what would it be? Oh,
2: you want to go first, Rena, or you want me to do this?
3: No, this is for you. She put you on the spot. You can't
2: pass the ball this time. No, I heard her say Rena on the spot. (laughs) Yeah, I'm the advice library when it comes to that. I give more advice than I take my own advice sometimes. But, uh, you know, the biggest piece of advice is that I would give a high school athlete and probably in any sport, what do you want to do? What is it that you want to do? And Look past all championships, the whether that's in football, basketball, rifle, whatever that looks like. And what is it that you want to accomplish? And that's very tough at 17 to even remotely think that, you know, that look past the glitter, look past all the stuff. What do you want to do and find a place that you're going to be comfortable at? And when I say comfortable, not somebody that's going to hold your hand or do everything for you, but comfortable that fits your culture you know, Rena talked a lot about that as far as the culture goes is, you know, are you going to be a grinder? Are you going to be that competitor? Are you going to be that, or are you just happy to be on the team? You know, if you're just happy to be on the team and the rest of the team is grinding it out, you're probably not going to be very happy. and You're probably not going to be very successful for a period of time, unless you start to shift your culture to that. And then vice versa as well. You know, if you're a grinder and, you know, everybody else is just happy, you know, happy to go on trips and there's nothing wrong with any of this. It's just different cultures that are out there and, you know, the different wants that athletes and programs have in terms of what the end result is going to be, what they want to accomplish. So my advice to them is, is do your homework, not just in the classroom, you know, to get good grades, but also do your homework on what would be a good fit for me and where You know do I want to be what do I want to try to accomplish and then compare where you are with where that program is and realize there's going to have to be a lot of change in some cases in order for me to fit into that you know and then you have to be willing to do that otherwise it's probably not a good fit from the start how's that Rena
3: that was good that was very good that was a nice condensed version of your usual version so
2: said, keep it short, keep it short. So Harley doesn't have enough tape to record all this. <laughs> Tried to keep it short.
3: So you're on the spot now, Rena. Oh, I'm on the spot. I'm gonna throw it back to our host here, see if she has any more questions for us.
1: Harry, that, <laughs> that was absolutely perfect, Harry. Well, Rena, you get the last uh, last word here. What is one piece of advice, small or big, that you could give to high school
3: Rifle athletes that want yes. to college. Play other sports. <laughs> because rifle is an individual sport until you get to college. And if you play other sports, specifically team sports, that gives you a leg up on athletic culture that translates over more to college, regardless of division level. And it teaches you how to be a team player. And that is critical, especially if you're going to join a program that is very team heavy and very team orientated like ours. So my biggest advice is play other sports. Do not pigeonhole yourself at age 11. Um, and I think a little bit of what Harry said is look at where you fit. We get really hung up on names. We get really hung up on like, oh, so-and-so had this warm up, and -and so-and-so has this range and this team did this. And did you see that ring? And really you need to find the home that's good for you because you could go to the best program in the country, however you define that, whatever that means to you and hate it and not do well. And you could go to a program that's a really good fit for you. And end up being an All-American and help change the culture of that program or expand that program or, you know, do amazing things. So I think we get really hung up on letters and logos and Nike clothes. (laughs) And we need to look beyond that into who are the group of people that I want to spend four years with. Who are the group of people they're going to help me meet my goals athletically and academically? Because when I leave here, my primary goal is to have a degree and hopefully a career I can walk into. Because last time I checked, you know, we really don't make much money shooting after college. <laughs> don't even make that much in college as far as scholarship goes. So really being able to have clear goals of what you want and finding a program that works for you. I always tell people when they come to Kentucky, I'm like, the Kentucky doesn't make you good. Like me giving you that pullover with the UK on it does not make you good. It's the work you do and how you embed yourself in our system and the resources you take advantage of is what makes you good. So I challenge people to look beyond the, do they have tutors? What's their range look like? What kind of swag do they wear? Because it's much more than that. So you have to find the true good fit for you. And if you do that, you're going to have an awesome experience.
1: That was awesome. Thank you both so much for those pieces of advice. And thank you for taking time out of your evenings and joining me here and answering all of my questions. And even though I threw some at you that weren't planned, um, is there anything else that either one of you
3: want to add in? Well, thank you so much for having us and reaching out. This has been a lot of fun. I can't wait to hear it. A little nervous to hear it, but very excited to hear it as well.
2: And you only shared the questions with Rena. Rena didn't share the questions,
3: Oh, that's <laughs> true. Harry did not have the questions.
1: <laughs> Harry, You did very well for not having a, a little preface. Well, thank, guys,
0: you.
1: thank you again. And I look forward to watching you guys in the spring or at least watching you virtually um, watching the little dots pop up on the screen every Saturday and Sunday. is still fun for me. Um, thank you and have a great night.
2: Thank you. Well, yeah, thank you very much
0: thank you for listening to aiming for tens podcast the premier place to talk all things small bore precision rifle and air gun competitions for more information show notes Providing feedback and to contact Brian and Harley, please view their social media pages, facebook.com backslash aiming-4-10s dash dash and on Instagram backslash aiming-4-10s. Underscore underscore please don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast format, Spotify, Apple iTunes, and Stitcher. Until next time, aim small, miss small.